0: Open your Bibles then this morning to the book of John, John chapter 17, John chapter 17, we'll look in verses, verses 1, 2, and 3 again this morning. Last week we looked at verse 1, we'll come back to it this morning, just a little bit of a summary, and then go to verses 2 and 3. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Just prior facing the cross at Calvary our Lord spent time teaching his disciples as they traveled back and forth from Bethany to Jerusalem taught them the things that related to true Christianity chapter 17 opens up with him praying in their presence praying so they could hear him praying so they could understand something of his heart The prayer recorded in John 17, as I said, is prayed before our Lord and disciples enter into the Garden of Gethsemane. I told you that last Lord's Day. It begins with our Lord's desire that the Father glorify His Son so that the Son might glorify the Father in every situation related to what was facing Him at Calvary. Our Lord's request... That he be glorified so that he might glorify his father is going to be revealed. Uh, some of the answers going to be revealed as he continues praying. And I think that's what verse two is. It's part of a letting I don't want to say letting it's part of as he is praying uh, to the Father, expressing. In this manner you have glorified the Son, so that the Son may glorify you. And so, as we go through this chapter, this prayer, we want to keep in mind that some of the things He says here is responding to what the Father has already done, and that to bring glory to the Son and to bring glory to the Father. And so verse 2 opens up, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. As thou hast given him power over all flesh. In his prayer, the Lord rehearses that which God has already done, what God has already given him, and how what God has given him will result in God being glorified as well as the Son being glorified. And I want to stop here at this opening statement, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, as he expresses to the Father what he has already done. A lot of time in prayer, brethren, we do not take time to thank God or to express to God what God has already done. We do not take time to express to God the answers we have already received for the requests that we have made already. And that's what is happening here in verse 2 and 3. And in terms of application, it is good for us to remember that prayer should include thanksgiving. It should include a recognition of what God has already done. Prayer should not Simply and always be asking, 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 asking. Prayer includes thanksgiving and rejoicing and praise. We should be asking. Most of prayer is about asking, but not all of it. And so, in our prayer time, remember, as our Lord is doing here, to rehearse back to our Father what He has already done on our behalf. It should include a recognition that God is not only ready to hear us and God is not only ready to answer our prayer, but that God has already heard us and answered our prayer. This is what you have done, as He says in verse 2, Thou hast given me power over all flesh, He has enters into His prayer by rehearsing before the Father what the Father has done for Him. In terms of application for us, we start out our Christian life this way. We ask for salvation. He answers it by saving us. The Scripture says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As a sinner... I understood my need of a Savior and from the Scriptures understood that if I would call, He would save. Prayer is calling. Prayer is asking. Prayer is seeking. And I called. I sought. I came to Him. And He, in fact, did save me from my sins. He answered that prayer. Now, how many times over the last 40 plus years since I've been a Christian up to this time, have I entered into prayer to my Father saying, thank you for saving me. Going back to what He did already. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Thank you for keeping me all these years. Thank you for for preserving me. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. It should be a practice of ours to rehearse before God what God has done. He has answered... Us, a multitude of times regarding a multitude of needs. I'm dealing with the application of those first few verses, first few words. If you have your scriptures open, go to Psalm 103. I want to read the first five verses. This is the psalmist praying in this manner. As he prays before God, as he enters into the presence of God, he is praying in the manner in which I'm addressing this morning. He starts out in Psalm 103 verse 1 by saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Give thanks and honor and glory and worship to God, O my soul. Give Him that which belongs unto Him. He's not starting out by saying, These are the things I need. He's starting out by saying, God, You are to be praised and honored for what You have done for me. Bless verse 2. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not. Don't forget all His benefits. What He has done, all that I have enjoyed from His good hands, is He's rehearsing and not wanting to forget all the blessings of God. And He starts out in verse 3 with what? Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. And that began in the time that God saved me and has continued Throughout the course of my Christian life, as I have gone to him and confessed my sin, and he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, who forgiveth all my iniquities. But he doesn't stop there, who healeth all my diseases. Have you been sick? And did you get well? God has done that. Yeah, but Brother Pat, I went to the doctor, I got the medicine. Yeah. Okay. If you're well today, it's because God has kept you well. Life and breath are all things are in his hand. Have you had cancer and you got well? Praise the Lord. God has healed you up to this point. You have trouble with your heart and God has kept you. God has kept you. He healeth all thy diseases. He healeth all I did. he healeth all thy diseases. From the time that I was born and as I was born in a hospital and they were I got something. What was that? Staph infection. And they had to peel off of my baby body. They had to peel these things that were full of pus off of me. My mother said I screamed from the pain of it all. I don't remember any of it. It's okay. Guess who healed me when I was lost? Mumps and measles and all those things that kids get these days. Guess who healed me when I had those things? Guess who took care of me? Who has taken care of me? Thank you, Father, for forgiving my sins and healing all my diseases. Amen. Now, I might face something coming and I might have to ask, but at this point I'm thinking. I'm remembering. I'm remembering. This, who redeemeth thy life for destruction? Thank the Lord for that. Because the evil one would like to destroy you, dear saint. And He has kept you in from that destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and with tender mercies is not that a testimony of every child of God in this room. And should that not be part of our prayer as we go back to God thanking Him for what He has blessed us with. Our Lord starts out by praying Father, Thou hast given me power over all flesh. You have already given it to me. I want to rehearse before You what You have done for me. Who satisfieth Thy mouth, back in Psalm 103, verse 5, with good things, so that Thy youth is renewed like an eagle. Over the years I have been a Christian, I have nurtured this thought in my mind and heart as I sit down at my table, thank You for this good food. Thank you, Father. You are providing for me this day. My wife would say, It's not much today. I said, Thank you, I held her hand and said, Thank you. The other day she said, I've been... And she was tired. And, uh, but she got up and we had some breakfast, coffee and breakfast together. It's not much. I held her hand and said, Father, thank you for what you have given us. You satisfy my mouth with good things. Our Lord, praise. Father, glorify your Son so that your Son can glorify you. And then the next words out of his mouth is, This is what you have done for me. You have given me power over all flesh. You've already done it. When he came into the world, he came into the world with power over all flesh, given to him by his Father. As a mediator between God and sinners, he has power over all flesh. This is the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter 7 in verse 14. If you want to turn there as I read it, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 14. Daniel sees a vision of the Son of Man, the Son of God, and and he sees this one and he and and in that vision in Daniel chapter seven, uh, he says Daniel seven fourteen. And there was given him this one who is the son of God. There was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom. What that all people, nations, languages? Let me read it as it is: all people and all nations and all languages should serve Him. This is what I see, Daniel says. The Son of God coming, and dominion and rule is given unto Him, and a kingdom is given unto Him, in order that all the peoples of the earth shall serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom, His rule is an everlasting one. Shall it which shall not pass away and his kingdom that that which shall not be destroyed this is what daniel sees now you say brother pat i don't see that and you've told us brother pat that jesus christ came to earth to establish this kingdom that daniel spoke of in, in chapter 2 and that is spoken of in chapter 7 and that that it was instituted At the time of Christ, the kingdom of God is at Him, He said. And He established it and He he laid the foundations of it and He secured it. What does it mean then that all people, all nations, all languages should serve Him? Because it's obvious, Brother Pat, that we live in a world, what it looks like to me, that there's a whole lot of people and a whole lot of nations and a whole lot of languages that don't serve the living God. Well, that's what it looks like, unless you look through the eyes of the fact that God is sovereign over all things, and that He rules over all things in heaven and upon earth. And then you begin to remember that though it does not seem like all the people and nations and languages serve Him, all of God's Cre- creation is serving him. It doesn't look like that, but our God controls all things in the universe. He controls all the nations. He raises up the leaders and he puts down the leaders of the nation. He controls every leader. Of every nation. He turns the heart of the king. To accomplish his purposes. In his will on the earth. And we look at the world. Through our eyes. And we can't see that. We don't see. That he has power over all flesh. All we can see. Is everything that's wrong. And all the sin. That is prevailing. And it seems as though. The nations have risen up and Stuart and I talked briefly yesterday, and have surrounded the people of God. It seems that way. And yet He controls every enemy of God's people. And they all serve His purposes. A dear pastor friend of mine who's going off to glory told a story once of, of having a missionary from China that had escaped China during the time when the communists got, gained rule, and they would take the Christians. And this may be a little hard for some of you. They would take the Christians and beat them and, and force them, starve them, and, and deprive them of sleep, and, and for, trying to force them to give up Christ, and they never would. And they captured him, the missionary, and they made him watch what they did to the followers of Christ. And one man just would not give up, and they took these chopsticks. Okay, They shoved him up his nose into his brain and he killed him. And that communist man turned to that missionary and said, what do you say now about your Christian brother? And this missionary said, the only thing you have accomplished is to send him to the Father who has chosen him for, for the foundation of the world and to the Son who redeemed him. You sent him to glory. You have not accomplished anything. They think they have won. They think they are in control. They think they rule over all things. And they are exercising what power they have been given, in some cases to the harm of God's people. But they are not in control. They serve the king. If it is the purpose of God to use one of His enemies to bring one of His children home. That has been the purpose of God for all eternity. That He has chosen Him, loved Him, redeemed Him. And then to bring Him home to be with the Father in heaven. And we look at that and we cringe and we fear somewhat and we struggle with it. But the Scriptures teach that He has power over all flesh. He has power and rule has been given over to Him. This truth is reiterated in the New Testament. John 3 and verse 35. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into His hand. All things into the hand of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He controls it all. He rules it all. He sits in heaven on His throne. None can stay his hand or say unto him, "What doest thou? He's accomplishing the purposes of God in all the salvation of God's people, as we'll see in a moment. Peter puts it this way, First Peter, chapter three verse 22. First Peter, chapter three and verse 22, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says of him in First Peter 3:22, "Who is gone into heaven." And there's on the right hand of God. Notice the next words: angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. Do you not remember the scriptures that says every enemy will be put under His feet, and the last enemy that He destroys is death. Do you not remember that He is a king, been given a kingdom, and He will bring every enemy into subjection to him and the last one will be death and then he'll turn that kingdom over to his father 1 Corinthians 15 This is what's going on Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 2 Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 10 and 11 Go over there with me if you have your bibles Philippians 2 verse 9 wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given Him a name which is above every name. That, verse 10, in order that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He has given him a name at which every knee will bow. You say, I don't see the knee of the communists and the Hindu and the Islam. I don't see them bowing to King Jesus. Just wait a little longer. Every knee will bow. I don't see their tongues confessing to the Father that He is is Lord over all. Just wait a little longer. When... The Lord comes and gathers the nations before Him and puts His sheep on His right hand. And all the rest of the nations of people are gathered. They bow before Him when He says, Depart from Me, ye workers of iniquity. They obey His voice. They obey Him. That day is coming for everyone. He has been given power over all flesh, this truth is ex- especially expressed in relation to the salvation of sinners. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27 and 28 opens up Matthew 11:27 says, "All things are delivered unto me of my Father. I have it all. it's in my hands." And He says, No man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man but the Father save the Son, and neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal Him. And then in verse 28, after saying, All things are delivered unto Me of My Father, He says, what? Come unto Me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Everything is in My hands. Everything about the salvation of sinners is in my control. You come to me. Come to me. I'm the one that has power over all flesh. I'm the one that has the power to save you. Come to me, he says. Since all things are delivered into the hands of the Son of God, then the most biblical conclusion must be that you come to the Son of God to receive what is in His hand to give Matthew 28 18 and 19 the same truth is expressed. Matthew 28 18 and 19 Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. It is just a reiter- reiteration of what he said in chapter 11. It is a reiteration of what has been expressed in chapter 17 of John. All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. What is the next words? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go. And as you are going, teach. Make disciples. Behind all of that is a God who has power to give salvation to those that come to Him. Again, in this text, we see the connection between Jesus Christ having all power over all flesh connected to the salvation of sinners in all the nations of the world. Thou hast given Him power over all flesh. That statement cannot be said to be true of any person from Adam to the end of time except the Lord Jesus Christ. If we had power over our own flesh in the sense of these words, we would never be sick. We would never be poor. We would never be defeated. We would never grow old. We would never be weak or frail. We would never be subject to any enemy on the face of this earth. We wouldn't live lives as perfectly as any human could live them for as long as we wanted to if we had power over this flesh. Death would not control us. Disease would not control us. Poverty would not control us if we had power over this flesh. We would go to sleep when we want to and wake up when we want to. Nobody could tell us what to do if we had power over our own flesh. But you don't. Children, you don't. You think you do sometimes. I can do what I want to do. You think that way. I know because I used to do. I used to think that same way. I I, I used to be where you are today. Believe it or not, I was once a kid. Believe it or not, I was once a teenager. I remember those days. I remember how invincible I thought I was. And I was strong, and a good strong constitution. I remember how academically sharp I was. 98.9 percentile on math and science. My college test. That's pretty close to almost maxing the test out as a lost person. I remember those things. took me a while to figure out after God saved me. I wasn't in control of any of it. That was all owed to the blessings of God in my life. I remember saving somebody's life in the middle of a lake as we were swimming across and he started having cramps and I was strong and I was a strong swimmer. And I remember laying on the ground after I got him to shore, thinking, what if I'd have died? And it was a passing and fleeting thought. And it never entered my mind again until I was 25 years old, 24 years old. It was a fleeting thought. No, no, that's not, I uh, 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 No, that ain't going to happen to me. It happened. In fact, it would have happened that day if I had not been there to save that man's life. Why? If we had power over this flesh, our lives would be different than they are. But we don't. Only Jesus Christ does. He has power. Only God, Jesus Christ, has that power. He has power over all of His creation. Power over all flesh relates uh, to all associated with all of mankind. Everything associated with all of mankind from the beginning to the end of mankind, including the angels and all of God's creation. But mankind is wrapped up in the Word flesh. It brings us into existence. It gives us life and breath in all things. It governs our life, our time of existence, the time span of it, the place of our birth, our mother, our father. The boundaries in which we live. The geographical boundaries in which we live. Our station in life. Whether we are rich or poor or somewhere in the middle. Whether we are highly educated or or not so highly educated. Our station in life. All of these things have been appointed to us by our God. Acts chapter 17. Verse 25 through 27, listen to the Scriptures. Take notes here. He giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord. He has power over all flesh in order that they should seek Him as we begin to learn about the power of God over our flesh, over all things in our life. The purpose of it is to teach us we don't have control of as much control over our life as we think we do, and the purpose is to turn us to seek the Lord. This power includes the power of a judge in the end. John 5 in verse 27. John 5 and verse 27. And hath given Him authority to execute judgment also because He is the Son of Man. John five twenty seven. Though having power over all flesh includes all the things that I have said to you, what Jesus Christ is speaking of is not all of those things, but He is expressing ignorance a certain focus of His power over all flesh. His power over the Jews and the Gentiles focused in a particular area. This power is not the power of our Lord Jesus Christ in terms of their creation, though that is a true statement. And I've set that out to you. But it is the power to give salvation. He hath given salvation Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that in order that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. Listen, if the Lord Jesus Christ did not have that power to give eternal life, to give salvation, if He did not have that power, sin and Satan would have already destroyed God's creation. Wicked men, would have destroyed everything good in this world. The unrighteous, but religious men, would have already exterminated true Christianity from the face of the earth. Truth would not exist. The gospel message would not exist. Christian churches would not exist. There would be no knowledge of God or His way of salvation upon the earth. None of that would be here except for one thing. Jesus Christ has power over flesh to give eternal life. From Adam until now, from now until the end, he has been giving sinners eternal life. And he and they, and and the and the the evil one seeks to destroy them. He they, they, the, the unrighteous religious people seek to burn them at the stake and destroy their testimony and He just keeps giving eternal life to sinners. And they pop up. The blood of the martyrs become the seed of the, of, the, of, the, of the elect and God continues to do His work and Satan has been enraged from the first day until now and will until the end. But he can't keep the Lord Jesus Christ from giving everlasting life to sinners. He tries to squash it. He tries to put out that light. But He can't keep the Lord Jesus Christ from giving everlasting life to sinners. Hallelujah. That He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. Because He has power over all flesh. Listen carefully. He is both willing and able to give eternal life to as many as the Father has given Him. This is true. This is a true statement. All the Father gives me shall come to me. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. This is the Father's will that hath sent me. Of all that of which He hath given me, I should lose nothing. John 10 My sheep hear My voice. I know them and they follow Me. Verse 27 says, I give unto them eternal life. I'm the one that gives it. John 17, where we are. Verse 6, I have manifested Thy name unto the men. He's talking about the apostles in this verse. That Thou gavest Me out of the world. I have shown them who You are. those you gave me, I have manifest your name. I have revealed the Father unto them. They have come and followed me to know you. Verse 8. I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. That word which God has given, that evil one would have twisted, yea, hath God said, from the very beginning, He's twisted it. But Not only have I given eternal life, but I've given the words that lead to eternal life unto them. And they have received it. Verse uh, 9, I pray for them. We're all in John 17, I pray not for the world, but for them which Thou hast given Me, for they are Thine. Verse 24, John 17, Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given Me be with Me, Where I am. You have given them to me. I have come to this earth. I have revealed the Father to them. I have given them your word. I have given them the gospel. They have embraced it. They follow me. And I'm praying that those you've given me will be with me. He is accomplishing what he's been sent to do. To give eternal life is in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some in this room have everlasting life, have eternal life. Some do not. Where do I get it, preacher? Where do I come into possession of everlasting life? From the Lord Jesus Christ. You go to Him. Is it down here on this church altar? No, it is not here in this church altar. It, is it, is it in, in the baptismal pool here? No, it is not there in the baptismal pool. What if I come faithfully and join? Is it there? No, it is not there. Where do I find it? You find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is He? As close to you as your thought. As close to you as your next thought. That's how close He is. He is not far away. You do not have to go far to find Jesus Christ. He stands willing and able to give everlasting life, eternal life. Eternal life is summed up in a lot of words in the Scripture. Everlasting life is also used. Salvation is used. Forgiveness of sins. Being freely justified by grace is another term. Being made acceptable. Uh, made acceptable before Father in heaven, accepted in the presence of the Father in heaven, gaining an entrance into glory, going to heaven when you die, and all so many other things, how it's expressed, all mean the same thing. That when Jesus Christ saves a sinner, He gives them everything necessary for the removal of their sin till they get to glory with the Father. Everything is found in Him. This reveals several things to us. First, there is no man who has absolute power over his own life. There is no man who has so much power over his own life that he can give himself by his own efforts everlasting life. There is no group of men or any denomination that has power over to give everlasting life. Many false religions teach salvation is in our church. The Bible teaches salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. They teach if you do thus and thus, you have an everlasting life. The Bible teaches everlasting life comes from the Lord Jesus Christ to you. It comes from Him. It reveals that all who enter into heaven Enter there because they have been given something by the Lord Jesus Christ. They have been given eternal life. This reveals that if you will ever have eternal life, it will be because you have received it from the Lord Jesus Christ and no other source. I cannot save you. I wish I could. All of you would be saved. God did not put everlasting life in my hands to save sinners. He put it in the hands of His Son. Your parents can't save you, children. Their hearts yearn and weep and grieve for your soul. But they cannot save you. Only Jesus Christ can do that. They tell you, go to the Lord. They ask you to pray to Him. They instruct you of your need go to him ask him he will save sinners it reveals something else that if you desire everlasting life if you desire eternal life you should ask the lord jesus christ to give it to you and he will this is confirmed in the scriptures let me read some scriptures for you listen isaiah 45:22 Look unto Me. All the ends of the world. All of you. Look. For I am God. And there is none else. Look to Me. You want eternal life? Look to Me. I'm God. There's none else. No other source of eternal, everlasting life except through Me. Isaiah 55. Verse 6 and 7. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God. and he, For he will abundantly pardon. Look to me. Because I'm God. And I'm the only one who can save you. Seek me, because I'm God. I will abundantly pardon. Matthew 11, 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you you shall find rest unto your souls. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Come to me, because if you come to me, I will give you rest. Seek me. If you seek me, I will pardon. Look to me, because I'm the only one who can save you. The Scriptures cry out that all power over all flesh has been put into the hands of the Son of God, and He gives eternal life. Paul says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look, seek, come, call. All of those words have in them the expression as you are focused on the world and on yourself, and all that you come to Christ, and He will give you what you need to bring you all the way to glory. That you come to Him. And you come to Him alone. And this is what it is. This this thing we call salvation. This is what it is. What is it? That they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou I sent. This is it. Eternal life, which our Lord spoke in this text, is defined about knowing God. Which means, before I'm saved, I don't know God. I know something about Him. But I don't know Him. And I turn to embrace Him, come to Him, I began this process of knowing in an intimate and personal way the God who has taken an interest in my soul. The God who has loved me, that He would send His Son for me. And I began to learn. I don't know it all in the beginning. I don't know it all now. But I began to learn... In an intimate and personal way, something of the God who has loved my soul to save me from my sins. Not simply the facts, ABC, one, two, three, I got a handle on it now, no. But to know God and His ways. I have an entrance into everlasting life, and God begins to teach me something of Himself. And I become. Aware that He is for me, and I am His, and He is mine. And it's eternal. Eternal life is not only a conscious, unending existence, but it is a conscious, unending life of continual, personal, and intimate awareness of the true and living God. That's why I said, when God saved me, it begins. And then I stepped out of time into glory, into the presence of the Lord who has loved me, and it continues everlasting, eternal life to know Him. To know Him. (laughs) And shall I use the words that I'm... only the words I have available to me this morning, eternity is not long enough for me to learn who God is. And you understand what I'm saying, right? He's infinite. And we are brought into Him presence to know Him in a personal, intimate way for the rest of eternity. And not only Him, but the Lord Jesus Christ. On the other hand, that's heaven. On the other hand, heaven, uh, hell, and the lake of fire is just the opposite. It is a conscious and unending existence without God. It is a conscious and unending existence without hope and without grace and without mercy and without love. And there is no light in that dark place and there is no truth there. There is nothing about God there. Anything and everything that relates to God is in heaven. There is nothing about Him in that place called the Lake of Fire. What Jesus Christ is saying is that when I give eternal life to sinners, it is the beginning of a knowledge of God. And it continues for all eternity. And if you miss that, you never know God. Never. Never know anything about it. And so, He has said, all power is given unto me over all flesh. It's given to me. And I have the power to give eternal life. And He says to sinners, you come to Me, I'll give it. He says to sinners, call and I will answer. He says, seek and you will find. He says, look. And what you see when you look is a God being gracious to sinners. He don't find God stiff-arming you and saying, no, not you. No sinner has ever come to Him and been cast out of His presence. Come to who? Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Jesus, every word is important. Thou shalt call His name Jesus, the angel said. Why? Why? For He shall save His people from their sins. Christ, what does it mean? The Anointed One the one anointed by God, filled with the fullness of God, able to do all that he is, God has promised He will do. Can God save sinners? Yes! Jesus Christ can save sinners. You come to Him. You find out for yourself. Whom thou hast sent. That last phrase at the end of verse 3. Sent as the Son of God to reveal the Father born of a virgin, God in the flesh, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Sent by God. God and man at the very same time to reveal salvation, God's salvation, to sinners who don't deserve it, that's true, who, but who need it. And He said to them from the beginning, from the time He opened His mouth as He began to preach, repent and believe the Gospel. Call upon Me. Come to Me. He he uses language like that. Everyone that came, you found out in the Scriptures. Read it. I've said to you, you want to be a Christian? Read the Scriptures. A leper comes and he bows before him. You can clean me. You can make me clean. If you will, I will, he says. A woman polluted in her blood comes. I want to be cleaned. You're clean, he says. Your sins are forgiven you. A thief looks upon him on the cross and says, remember me. And he says, today you will be with me in paradise. There's not a sinner that spoke to Christ that ever got turned away in the Scriptures. Read for yourself. See for yourself. If what I'm saying is not true, search and see. He does not stand before sinners and mock them. But says, I have power over all flesh and I give eternal life. What about that last phrase? As many as the Father had given Him. That's God's business, not yours. Maybe I wasn't given. How do you know if you were or not? Come. How do you know? Well, whether you're elect or not. You don't. You calm, sinner. He will not cast you out. Let's pray together.